welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Well, this is the time of year when the Christmas message is most often thought about. The shepherds, the child in a manger, goodwill to all men. But really, the Christmas message is a year-round message. It's a message of the gospel, God's invitation to sinners to receive his only provision for sin, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians remember Christ's birth all year round and praise and thank God for ever sending his son to come to this world and to die at the place called Calvary to reconcile sinners back to himself. Today's message looks at a lovely hymn we hear about this time of year, Mary, Did You Know? It's a song of questions concerning the identity and significance of her baby boy. We would do well to consider these questions ourselves. Who exactly is that babe in the manger? that child teaching in the temple, that man dispensing untold blessings to mankind, that Savior on the cross. A wonderful message, the Christmas message, the gospel message. We know that you'll enjoy being reminded of it again in today's broadcast. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus, he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Mary, Did You Know? It was written by Mark Lowry in 1984. Lowry wrote a series of questions that he would like to ask Mary had he been able to do that. Questions like, did you know that your baby boy would someday walk on water? Did you know that this child you've delivered will soon deliver you? Did you know that he is the great I am? Did you know that he was the Lord of all creation? Its questions remind us that it is possible for us even today to miss the significance of Christ's coming into our world. We can become so preoccupied with monitoring sale prices, finding gifts, wrapping them, hanging decorations, baking cakes, and returning unwanted presents that we also fail to grasp the deep meaning of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Christmas is fast becoming a secular holiday in some places. With tongue-in-cheek humor, Dave Barry describe things at his children's school. Quote, To avoid offending anybody, the school dropped religion altogether 
and started singing about the weather. At my son's school, they now hold the winter program, and they do it in February. And in, they sing increasingly non-memorable songs, such as Winter Wonderland, Frosty the Snowman, and, and this is a real song, Susie Snowflake. All of which is pretty funny because we live in Miami, Florida. A visitor from another planet would assume that the children belonged to the Church of Meteorology. More ominously, American atheists launched a major billboard display on Tuesday, December 3rd, 2013. It declared Christmas is better without Christ. The huge 40 by 40 digital billboard was located in Times Square in Midtown Manhattan. Using motion graphics, the billboard proclaimed, who needs Christ during Christmas? A hand crosses out the word Christ and the word nobody as an answer appears. The display then says, celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. And it offers a series of cheery words, family, friends, charity, food, snow, and more. The commercial ends with a jovial happy holidays from American atheists. The group's president said, quote, this season is a great time of year for a hundred reasons, none of them having to do with religion. Christianity has been trying to claim ownership of the season for hundreds of years, actually about 2000. But the winter solstice came first, and so did its traditions. This season belongs to everybody, end of quote. I wonder, does the fact that it's called Christmas give you a clue as to the meaning of the season? Such are the desperate attempts to get rid of any references to the Lord Jesus and yet frantically grasp at the things that he both imparts and enriches, joy, peace, love, family ties, and charity. Tonight's meeting, hopefully, will help us all to have a biblical understanding of the historic events that make Christmas such an important and joyous time of the year. Please pardon the lame wordplay, but if you take Christ out of Christmas, you're left with nothing but a mess. Mary, did you know, asks questions that remind us that it is important to understand exactly what happened when Christ came into this world. But it may be that tonight you don't really know what God is offering to you because Christ came into this world to be the Savior of sinners. That's what I hope we will all have a firm understanding of before the meeting is done. This is a, a season that's marked by many things that we value. Now, you have heard it said that the Lord Jesus is the reason for the season, which sticks in our head because of the, the rhyme involved. But let me just take those two words. And I want to, first of all, help us understand what the season is about. And then we'll turn to the fact that the Lord Jesus is the reason for all of this. This is a time of sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. Just think for a moment of the image of a desperate mother frantically shopping for that one toy that her adolescent child wants. Don't get in her way. She's like a, like a mother bear who's guarding her whelps, right? Or the father that has been up three in the morning and out on Black Friday and standing in line. You so much want to be able to give people whom you love what they want. And if you have to sacrifice a few hours sleep or if you have to, to, to pay money or stand in line, parents are willing to do that because this is a time of sacrificial giving. But do we know, do we understand that the greatest act of sacrificial giving was on the part of God. That God is a giving God. That apart altogether from our warped, distorted, twisted concepts of deity, that he is a demanding, vindictive God who requires sacrifice on our part. That the Bible says that the true God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the God of heaven, that that God is a giving God. 
He is the very epitome of unselfishness and of love, sacrificial giving. But he gave us the planet. Listen to the words of God when he placed Adam and Eve on this planet. And he, and he, I, I could almost see him metaphorically stretching his hand out over and saying, all this I've given you, it's yours. It's yours, enjoy it. A beneficent, generous, loving creator providing everything we needed for life. Because you see, he is the ultimate giver. Do you know that he gave us not only a planet to live on, but we ruined that planet and ourselves by turning to sin. And he would have had every right and should have left us to perish at our own hand as a result of our own choices. Instead, he gave his son, sacrificing Christ for us. And the Lord Jesus gave himself, sacrificing his life for us so that we could have salvation. There's nothing to match that. There's no gift to match that. That's why the hymn writer called it the gift of gifts. All other gifts in one. Blessed be God our God that he would give his only son. And as though that were not enough, he gave us his word so that we could know what that son had done. And he gives his spirit into the world to bring us to that truth and to live inside of us the moment we trust Christ. And he gives us eternal life. And he intends to give us everything he has so that we will live with him forever. He's offering tonight to give you eternal life. Why would you want to go home without that? Why would you want to leave this meeting tonight not taking that gift, thanking God for it, and going home with eternal life? This is a time of sacrificial giving. I hope we know that the ultimate giver, the greatest act of sacrificial giving, was on the part of God. But this is a time of love to fellow man, philanthropy, love for fellow human beings. But do we know, do we understand that the greatest display of unconditional love, of philanthropy, was on God's part? That is the very word that Paul the Apostle chose when he said, we ourselves also were once disobedient, deceived, Serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness and philanthropy of God, our Savior appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. The ultimate display of philanthropy, of love to human beings, is to be seen when God showed his love for the world. You know that that is a love that sees no class distinctions. To our Western mind, that doesn't sound like something very important, which is why I was stunned when in a series of gospel meetings I was having, that was the very thing that struck a young man who was there from India. And I remember him telling me when the meeting was done, in our culture, there are castes, there, there are levels. You never, you, you, you never go above the level where you are. And somebody in a higher level never would have any interest in somebody in a lower level, and yet Jesus accepts everybody. No class distinctions, no caste system, no untouchables, no preferred group, no elite core of favored people who have the inside track with God. This is love for the world. In fact, there are no ethnic divisions. We're the ones, we're the ones who have artificially made up the idea that there are many races in the world. There's only one race, the Bible says. It's the human race. There are a number of nationalities. There are a number of ethnicities. But there's only one race, the human race. And that's all the race that God sees. And he offers salvation to every member of that human race. 
Ben Watson is an NFL player. He plays for the New Orleans Saints. He's black. And as you know, in my country, there has been tremendous upheaval as a result of the shooting of a young boy in Missouri, Ferguson. The man I'm talking about put a Facebook posting on. And it's a long list of things that deeply disturb him about all of this. The rush to judgment against the policeman. The fact of the looting that seems to justify the idea that these people are bad. And on and on it went. And then he got to this point. It's not a skin problem, he said. It's a sin problem. Problems in here. And what human beings need is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not a skin problem. It's a sin problem. And God is offering to deal with your sins and put them away tonight because of what his son did on the cross. And he doesn't see any ethnic divisions here. He's not looking for blacks or whites or reds. He's not checking to see where you were born or what color your skin is or... No, no, not with this love. Do you know that there are no religious differences when it comes to God? No religious differences. God's desire for you is that you would be saved. And his desire to bless you does not hinge on whether you believe in him or you love him or you deny him or you are an atheist or you are an Anabaptist or you are a, a Buddhist or you are a Presbyterian or you are a Catholic or you are an agnostic. That never enters into the picture with God. He's ready tonight to do business with you no matter who you are. If you will come as a guilty sinner and trust the Lord Jesus because his is the greatest display. The greatest display of unconditional love. But this is a season where we find joy in relationships. More than any other time of the year. But do we know, do we understand that the greatest relationship of all is to have a relationship when a human being is linked with God. The Lord Jesus put it this way. This is eternal life. This is eternal life. That you might know him, the only true God. And Jesus Christ whom he has sent. That's what the greatest relationship of all is. As we noted earlier in the meetings, sin ruptured that relationship. The very thing God intended for you when he made you was destroyed by sin. This devastating power. Calvary regained that relationship. He suffered for sins to bring us to God. And conversion restores that relationship so that a person is reconciled to God through the death of the Lord Jesus the moment that he trusts Christ. That's the season. The simple statement says that Christ is the reason for it. So let's try to understand a little of why that is. There is a Hebrew word that is very important in the Bible. I don't know Hebrew, but I think it is pronounced goyim. And it is often translated as kinsman, relative, or redeemer. It comes into huge importance in a book in the Old Testament that contains the love story of the Old Testament. It is called the Book of Ruth. It's the story of a woman who was far from God, who wanted to become part of God's people. She had been a member of a heathen tribe. She had been an idol worshiper. But in that book, she became one of God's people through a redemption that was paid by a man who loved her. He paid the price to bring her from her distance in among the people of God. And that book foreshadows... The immeasurable love, the incomparable grace, the, the majestic kindness of God in offering salvation to us. You see, you needed a redeemer. You needed a redeemer. Psalm 49 makes that unmistakably clear. No one can by any means redeem his brother or give to God the ransom. You and I needed a redeemer. Sin had disqualified us. We were unable to save ourselves. We were unable to assist in the work of salvation. 
Interesting, isn't it, that all ancient religions, all ancient religions were sacrifice-based. All ancient religions. And very often they were human sacrifice-based. There was this, this concept in the minds of people seemingly from the, the Garden of Eden's fall onward that he must be angry and we need to make him happy. We need to uh, appease him. We need to, to give him something. And then you come to the Bible and you find that there is absolutely nothing we could ever give to God that would redeem us. We needed a redeemer. And that's where this wonderful Old Testament word suddenly flares with great meaning. Maybe the best way it has been interpreted or translated is to say that it means the kinsman redeemer. See, not just anybody could be the redeemer. We needed a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer means that he had to be like us. A kinsman. He had to be human. This brings into focus foundational truths of the Christian faith. The immaculate conception. When you hear people talk about the immaculate conception in the religious world, don't be fooled. They don't mean what you mean. There was one immaculate conception in this world. It was the conception of the Lord Jesus. But the religious world talks about the immaculate conception, and what they mean is the conception of Mary, so that she could be born without sin. But the immaculate conception that the Bible presents to us is the entrance into our world of the Lord Jesus, the incarnation. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh. The Spirit of God saw to it that nothing of Mary's sinful nature affected the Lord Jesus. The virgin birth saw to it that nothing of Joseph's sinful nature was involved in any way. And the angel says, that which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. That holy thing shall be called the Son of God. He had to be like us. You see, when Adam brought sin and death into the world, God promised that the seed of the woman, not the seed of a man, the seed of a woman would bruise the serpent's head. That the, this kinsman redeemer had to come through a woman so he would not be the seed of a man. But he had to be a man because it was a man who brought sin into the world. So it would be a man who would deal with it at Calvary. And the kinsman redeemer is the Lord Jesus who came into the world and became one of us. He had to be like us. But it's a kinsman redeemer because he had to be unlike us. He had to be able to do something that we would never be able to do. He could do it because he is sinless and impeccable. This is what lends vicarious value to his sufferings on the cross. That for the first time, a man stood face to face with death and won. Because death had no claim over him. He was never a dying lamb on the cross. He wasn't gradually losing his strength until finally he mustered up enough strength to say, It is finished, Father. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. He had been battered beyond the ability of words to describe, but he was in full control. And the moment came when he knew the work was done and he was going to send his spirit away. You can't do that. I can't do that. We can use means to end our life, but we have no control over our spirit, either to hold on to it or to dismiss it. But he did. And on the cross, the Redeemer sacrificed himself because, you see, he was not only sinless and impeccable, but this Redeemer was more than just a man. He is God. He is the creator. And this is what lends infinite value to his sufferings on the cross. Rich, precious blood that was spilt at a place called Calvary that is going to fill heaven with billions of men and women. Every last woman, man, girl, and boy of them saved by the precious blood of Christ. All of heaven secured forever 
by the precious blood of Christ. A new heaven and a new earth where sin will never come in again. All because of the precious blood of Christ. Every plan that God has fully realized for eternity. All because of the precious blood of Christ. Here's the kinsman redeemer who can save you tonight. And if he had to be without sin. And if he had to be more than just a mere man. The book of Ruth teaches us one more thing. And you should go home tonight and bow your knees as I hope to and thank God that this is true. There's one more requirement. The Redeemer had to be willing. He had to be willing. If he wasn't willing, and the book of Ruth shows us a Redeemer who wasn't willing and turned away and went home. And if Christ had not been willing to come from heaven, if he had not been willing to go to that rugged tree, if he had not been willing to allow little ants to gather around him and spit in his face and buffet him and beat him and scourge him and mock him and drive nails through his hands and feet. If he had not been willing to be lifted up on a cross and die, every one of us would have been in hell forever. But he was willing and he came and he gave himself. And now, friend, I can tell you not only that you needed a redeemer and that God had sent his son for that purpose, but that you must accept him. He will never force himself on you. To be saved, you have to personally trust this Savior. Has he ever given you a reason why you shouldn't trust him? Has he ever lied to you? Has he ever failed? Has he ever done something that causes you to say, I'm not so sure that I can trust him tonight? Boaz paid the price to redeem Ruth, but in a greater context, the Lord Jesus shed his blood to redeem you. You're going to be in hell forever or heaven forever. It will depend on what you do with the Redeemer, with the Lord Jesus. You needed one. God provided one. You have to receive him. The question tonight is whether you want Christ. And if the hymn asks, Mary, did you know? Then let me tell you what Mary knew and countless others have learned. Peter wrote, we know that we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. John wrote, we know that we have passed from death unto life. We know that we have eternal life. Job wrote, we know that our Redeemer lives. Paul wrote, we know that we have a home eternal in the heavens. And I hope tonight you'll go home knowing that you have everlasting life. One retailer down in the States in one of those, you know, huge malls, it's Black Friday, as you know, because it's the day when retailers hope that the sales are so many and so big that it pulls them from the red into the black, that on one day they can make up for all the losses they've had. Black Friday? One man was toting up all that his store had brought in, and he happened to say to one of the other retailers, you know, when I, when I look at the profits, this, this might be the best Christmas ever. The other man was a Christian, and he said, oh, I thought the best Christmas ever was the first one. I thought the best one was the first one. Well, I can tell you how you can have the best Christmas you've ever had in your life. You take this Redeemer home with you tonight. You trust Christ tonight, and you will know what Mary knew. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. What did Mary know? Well, she knew this. She knew that Christ was her Redeemer. This is what she said, My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Did she fully realize the magnificence and majesty of this person? Maybe not at first. But she understood what really mattered. This was her Savior, sent from God. What about you? Have you trusted the Savior yet? Well, what better moment than this, at this time of year, when people stop, at least for a moment, to consider His coming? 
Make this your best Christmas ever. Receive Christ as your own and personal Savior and rejoice with Mary over sins forgiven and peace with God. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.